If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, He enfolds in Himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. Well, just when I suggested a few weeks ago that my father very seldom preached sermons through a series, of course, up next on our sermons and messages is the beginning of a series that Pastor Lee started in October 1987. You will hear in his message that he was teaching a class at North Heights Lutheran Church on 2 Corinthians so he decided to use that text for a series of sermons at Vision of Glory. I believe the verses he uses for this message are found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I would suggest reading 2 Corinthians at least the first chapter. It's worth the read. What gives Pastor Lee's sermon and Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church credibility is that we know that both Paul and Pastor Lee both had their share of challenges and troubles throughout their ministry, particularly for my father in 1987. And they are not alone. We all face our fair share of troubles and hardships. And they're not the only evangelists as well. Many of them have also faced their challenges. But that is what makes Paul's letter and this sermon so impactful and motivating. Pastor Lee is by no means comparing himself to Paul. In fact, he holds Paul up with the greatest esteem and as a marvelous example of someone who came through incredible hardships. Most of you know what I'm talking about. After all, whose testimony would you rather hear? Someone who's had what appears to be a pretty rosy, perfect life, perfect wife, everything always going their way? Or someone who you believe can relate to your trials and troubles because they have been through many of them themselves? It is a wonderful message on facing troubles or helping those who are facing troubles. I would describe these 30 minutes as inspiring and encouraging. There are a number of reminders as to why God allows there to be trouble in your life, for God can use these troubles not only for your own benefit, but also through your experiences you can help those around you. As we continue through these sermons that were delivered in 1987, my mother's death that year I wouldn't say influences his messages but her passing certainly authenticates messages like this one delivered October of 1987. There are a number of great quotes in this sermon, one of which is, we cannot know the meaning of every event that happens to us, but we can know that every event is meaningful. That's a good one. Another one is, if you have the wrong picture of God, you have the wrong picture of life. I could go on and on, but I don't want to give away all of his pearls. So I will let you get into Pastor Leland Evenson's sermon, Triumph Over Trouble, delivered on October 1st, 1987. This sermon is for everyone, whether you have recently been through difficult times or you are currently going through a difficult season in your life. Or if nothing else, these words will prepare you for that speed bump that will come along because it always does come along in everybody's life at some point. That is actually the one guarantee that life does give us. 
Get ready for a great pep talk. Here is Pastor Leland Evenson. Really thank the choir for their willingness to come and sing that beautiful number at both services this morning. And uh, their willingness to sacrifice and do that certainly means a lot to, to all of us. The next uh, few weeks I am going to be teaching on 2 Corinthians at the late training school over at North Heights. And so I thought as long as I'm going to do it there, I might as well make use of that study also for here. So in the next few weeks I'm going to be, uh, rather than the pericope text, I'm going to depart uh, for a number of weeks and use 2 Corinthians. Uh, try to take a chapter a Sunday and even then you just barely skim the surface. And uh, the first chapter will probably be a couple Sundays I'm going to spend on that. Uh, so I encourage you to bring your Bible like a good Baptist and uh, to uh, We will not print it in the bulletin after this Sunday. <clears throat> we did it this Sunday because you didn't know But after this uh, each Sunday I encourage you to uh, To bring your Bible and to follow along there Second Corinthians was written about five years. I think after uh, the church was established uh, the church was established, they had some problems there, and then uh, Paul wrote uh, 1 Corinthians to try and straighten it out. It didn't seem to help, so he made a visit. That seemed to make it worse. Then he wrote a scathing letter that he refers to now in the uh, epistle that we're going to be studying here. And apparently that helped. It, uh, there was some repentance and change of heart. And now he's writing this letter, the 2 Corinthians, kind of as an encouragement. He, it's the, less, uh, it's the least doctrinal of all Paul's letters. It's very personal. You just sense his heart and his soul and his guts. He lays it all out there for everybody to see. And so I think that's why it's such a <clears throat> meaningful letter. The more we study it and uh, uh, meditate on it, the more it ministers life to us. I want to read to begin with, uh, just starting with the third verse. I say I'm not going to be able to cover uh, all of it, so trying to pick and choose those verses. But in the third verse, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we, are <coughs> we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. Past week, uh, you see a lot of cars along the road and their hoods are up. We're in a parking lot and often you'll see another car alongside of it also with its hood up and you immediately assume that there are some booster cables here and that the one car has stopped to give a boost to the other car. This word comfort is used about ten times in just these few verses here and and the word comfort in the Greek means to come alongside, uh, to strengthen, to empower, to boost. Uh, and so Paul uses this uh, verse here, in, uh, or these, this word here in these verses over and over and over again. <clears throat> Many people's lives stall out. And uh, you may be stalled this morning. You may, uh, your life you may feel is on dead center. There's no... You're just kind of existing and going through the motions. You're not really living. Uh, you're living in the future if you are, waiting for tomorrow or uh, when uh, you get a different job or a better income or whatever thing. 
There are a lot of people like that. And if we know the reality of the Lord, our task as we go on to reading these verses <clears throat> is to come alongside and to give them a boost. Uh, that as we sense God's comfort in our life and strengthening us, we are called to go into the world <clears throat> and to strengthen others. The first thing that is important in these verses is to picture who God really is. We got a wrong picture of God, we got a wrong picture of life. I think of a t-shirt that some uh, resort made here in the Northwest. And uh, on the front of the t-shirt it said, Don't uh, worry, God is not finished with me yet. And then they had a picture of lightning striking a, a helpless individual uh, who was just kind of uh, being torn asunder by this lightning. And in the midst of the smoke and the hellfire, there's a scourging scene which implies that God deals with people like an erupting volcano spewing out uncontrollable anger and wrath and fear and judgment. Certainly doesn't fit the revelation that Paul makes about God here. Your picture of God colors everything in life. Uh, how you look at trouble and suffering and difficulties. If you got the wrong picture of God, you're going to have the wrong picture of trouble. <clears throat> you're going to see it in the wrong way. You're going to see that trouble is always something I try to avoid, something that, uh, that there is no good in it and nothing good can come out of it. Uh, even though Paul says all things can work for good to those who love God. Some people have a picture of God, something like a guy who's up on top of a large skyscraper and he looked down and he saw all these people milling around down there and he said, you know, that must be the way God sees us, just like a bunch of ants down here in this world. Some people have that picture of God. Not Paul. He said he's a God of compassion and a God of comfort who comes alongside us. And that's the baptism of the Spirit is a reminder as Jesus was baptized with the Spirit, so it was God coming alongside and into the life of Jesus as true man. <clears throat> so he comes into our lives to comfort us. He weeps with us. If you're in pain this morning, he weeps. He has compassion for you. If you're uh, whatever your pain may be, pain of having uh, going through a divorce, pain of losing someone in death, pain of uh, uh, being dismissed from work, whatever it may be, God cries with you. He has compassion for you. He wants to come alongside you this morning with his jumper cables of his life and his spirit to give you a boost, to get your life started again, to, to bring some purpose and some peace and some joy. When we have a distorted view of God, we have a distorted view of trouble. A lot of batteries are advertised now, they're trouble-free. And a lot of other things are advertised as being trouble-free. We like to think that God promises that kind of a life. And that we live in some kind of a plastic bubble, and uh, it's a cushioned world, that if, if we serve him and know him, that he's going to put a shock absorbers, and so all the bumps of life, all the frost boils will just kind of glide over them as, as Christians and that somehow we will live in this kind of park, tiptoeing through the tulips, kind of a rose garden. Paul doesn't say that as he begins these verses. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ <coughs> our comfort overflows. 
If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so all you share in our suffering, in our comfort. Paul over and over says it's not going to be trouble-free. But life has suffering and trouble and difficulties. And you read uh, the life of Jesus or the life of Paul or the life of the prophets, you begin to realize that we're not here to go from glory to glory. There's kind of a theology today that says somehow if you have faith enough and believe enough, it's all going to be all whoopee and it's all going to be celebration. And then God is just going to put you in this kind of stain-free environment, this plastic bubble, and uh, everything is going to go your way. The point of our being in this world <clears throat> is not happiness. It's training, not fulfillment, but preparation. This world makes a lousy home but a fine gymnasium. Sometimes as Christians we forget that, 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 that we are here to be trained for eternity, to be trained and to be molded for heaven, that we're not here basically to have it easier to be happy. It says Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Proverb that says all sunshine makes a desert. <clears throat> One person said to another who was suffering a lot, suffering colors life, doesn't it? The sufferer replied, yes, but I propose to choose the color. That when troubles and difficulties, Paul is saying that we can choose the color. How we respond is, is much more important than what happens to us. And some people choose to whine and complain and have a pity party and spend their whole life in bitterness against God or against life or against other people. Paul experienced trouble not as a punishment for something he had done, but as a preparation for something he was called to do. Remember when my father got uh, a stroke and was paralyzed, had to be in a wheelchair, my mother had to take care of him day after day. My mother said, you know, kind of, what have I done or what have we done to deserve this? You know, we've gone to worship regularly and we've done all these right things. And somehow we get that idea, that mentality that when difficult things happen or trouble comes or suffering comes or an accident or loss of a loved one that somehow God is punishing us. But Paul didn't see it that way. It wasn't punishment for something he done, but it was preparation for wider ministry. And somehow we need to get that into our thinking as Christians. That when trouble and difficulty, as Paul says in these verses, it's so that you can enable and show others that God's grace and comfort and strength are sufficient. What's the use to have a four-wheel vehicle if you never have to use the four wheels? If you never have uh, deep snow or deep mud to go through, you never know how much power. If God made life easy, how would you begin to know His grace is sufficient or how great His grace is? <clears throat> Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. You don't know the fellowship of suffering by sitting in a classroom taking notes on a Bible study. 
It comes in the living day by day. Living when it's 20 below zero and your car won't start. When your children won't behave. The doctor says you've got an illness that may be fatal. When your mate says, I want a divorce. When a nurse looks at you and says she's gone, your wife is dead. To know the fellowship of his suffering is to know something of sharing the sufferings of Jesus that enables us to be better ministers and minister more widely in the world to others. I know the story of a hurricane that was on the East Coast and was coming right through a little town there. And <clears throat> a lot of people had gone to a shelter. And all of a sudden it got very black and the lights went out even in the shelter because electricity <clears throat> was off because of the storm. And suddenly a little boy in there began to sob and he tried to muffle his sobs. And the mother was there and she got kind of impatient and she said, you might as well calm down. After all, there's nothing we can do about it. But mommy, he said, Mommy, I know there's nothing we can do about it, but isn't there something we can do about us? God programs our lives. He allows bad things to happen. It all filters through his love. He certainly doesn't intend. Everything isn't God's will, but God, we can find God's will in everything. And you can't control what's going to happen to you, how God has it programmed. He certainly doesn't have it programmed trouble-free. As Paul says over and over in these verses, he talks about suffering in a variety of ways. Suffering persecution, suffering bodily harm, suffering sickness or death or whatever it may be. <clears throat> but he says there is something we can do about us, that we can come to, to sense God coming alongside of us to give us comfort, to strengthen us, to do something inside us so we don't live and respond in bitterness or in self-pity or in complaining. And all of a sudden our lives stall and we go dead. The first thing positive about trouble and suffering <clears throat> we find his grace is sufficient. There's a song, if we didn't have a problem, we wouldn't know that he could solve them. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. Paul wasn't writing this, you see, in some kind of ivory tower. Paul often was writing from being in prison or after being beaten or stoned or whatever else. One who never has suffered is powerless to bring consolation or cheer in the school of affliction to others. It softens our heart. The more that we go through in life, the more sensitive we are to others. The more we want to identify and come alongside other people. Or even in the loss of Miriam, I have found many, many people coming alongside of me who have a real sensitivity because they've gone that way before and have found his grace is sufficient. So others who go through depression or someone through divorce or those 
all of these things or losing a job people the, the hard things soften our lives so we become more compassionate and less self-righteous more loving and less legalistic that somehow suffering the more that we go through the more it softens our heart to be compassionate toward others and that's why Paul then says the natural result is that somehow we can minister to others when God puts his children in the furnace he controls the thermostat he keeps his eye on the thermometer we waste our time determining the cause of our problem why it's happened to me we cannot know the meaning of every event but we can know that every event is meaningful that God doesn't waste anything you see that abuse you suffered as a child but you kept secret maybe for years maybe still secret but if you have found God's healing and against any bitterness and resentment in your heart God can use you in many lives almost every week there are people who are dealing with that and I've learned more and more that it's people who have gone through these ways who are better able to deal with others that are going through them there's no meaning in it in itself you can ask yourself why did God allow it to happen that's a waste of time but every event is meaningful all things who work for good with those who love God and God can take all of these things maybe a horrible childhood that you had maybe something of not being able to overcome a certain sin except by the grace of God maybe going through alcoholism maybe the death of a loved one maybe your own sickness all of these things you see if we understand these verses of Paul he says it enables you to minister to others if you have experienced the comfort of God God coming alongside you and ministering to you the suffering of Christ is to flow into our lives Hebrews there's a couple of <clears throat> places in Hebrews where it talks about how Jesus identified with us so he could be a faithful high priest that he learned obedience through suffering and he went through he was tempted in all ways that we are in the second chapter the fourth chapter he talks about the idea that Jesus went this way before us so he'd be better enabled to minister to us even today a little girl who was listening to her father read the family devotions and listening to our parents talk about God and how limitless his power and mercy and finally when they're all done she went over and put her little hand on her daddy's knee and she said daddy how big is God father thought for a moment he said darling he's always just a little bit bigger a little bit bigger than you need that's what Paul found out and all that he went through certainly wasn't trouble free He's a little bigger than you need. I was scared. Scared because I'd heard that the loss and death of a loved one is the highest stress that can come into your life. I'd heard also you can get breakdown physically and emotionally. That many heart attacks can be trained for shortly after loss of loved one. Divorce comes up fairly high. Personal sickness loss of jobs down the scale 
But I kept reminding myself of what I heard that the sister of Corey Ten Boom says, he will give you the ticket when you get on the train. That God's grace is sufficient for each day. <clears throat> and so I found that was true in, in the, those two years with Miriam and the cancer and those times of expectation in the times even toward the end when one realized and recognized that probably the Lord was going to take her, I thought, how can you go through this kind of thing? And each day, God would give me the ticket that I needed to get on that particular train. He came alongside of me, even in this Christmas season, as people have prayed and uplifted myself and my family, one senses a comfort of God that comes to you to boost you, to cause you to want to go on. There were times when I thought, when this is over, will I walk out of the church? Will I shut the Bible? Will I say this is just a lot of waste and garbage? But somehow the Lord comes with his comfort and his grace, comes alongside of you and says, my grace is sufficient, my power shows best in weak people. And that's what Paul is saying in these verses. And now, for those who lose loved ones, I am better enabled to go to them and to comfort them and to say, yes, this too, his grace is sufficient. As you can go to people because of your unique walk, if you are walking with the Lord and the things you come out of can go to other people that the rest of us can't go to. He gives you the ticket when you get on the train. Richard Halverson, <clears throat> in one of his writings, he was chaplain in the Senate for many years, a great Presbyterian pastor. <clears throat> in one of his letters, says, it's not what happens to you that makes a difference, it's what happens in you. What happens to you is destructive only in terms of what you allow to happen in you. <clears throat> to put it another way, you may not be able to prevent what is done to you, but you can decide how you take it. You may allow circumstances to embitter you, make you vindictive, jealous, envious. But when you do, you release emotions in your system which trigger body chemistry and poison you. <clears throat> or you may take circumstances in stride and the confidence that your life is ordered of the Lord and that he will use everything that happens to you for your own good. Growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus works this way. The school of the Spirit involves suffering, pain, failure, sin, all of which are recycled by the grace of God into maturity. Don't resent what happens to you. Rejoice in the knowledge God is working for your benefit in whatever happens. He recycles it, you see. He doesn't waste it. That's the excitement of the Christian faith, that it's not trouble-free, but you... You see more and more as he allows these things that this world is a gymnasium and not a home. We're not here to tiptoe through the tulips. We're here to manifest God's glory. God allowed evil into the world. He didn't intend it, but he knew that through allowing evil, he could reflect his glory as he saw his people find his grace and his power and his love and his compassion sufficient. Triumph over trouble is not to evade it, but to see that God's grace is sufficient. 
For if we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. There's a biologist. One day was watching a little ant carry a straw. All of a sudden, the ant came to a, a crack so it couldn't get across. And so it, the biologist says it just as if the, the ant was kind of perplexed and kind of stopped. <coughs> and all of a sudden, the ant took the straw and laid it across the crack and then proceeded to crawl across the straw to the other side of the crack. It took the burden and made it into a bridge. We think about the burdens we carry. But have you ever thought of converting that burden into a bridge? A bridge that bears you up instead of you bearing it? Paul had an affliction for his whole life. But once he recognized that his affliction was a part of God's good and gracious will, he exclaimed, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, <clears throat> that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul converted his burdens into bridges, his imprisonment, his stoning. He said, I've learned the secret to be content in all circumstances, how to abound and have millions, or how to live in nothing. I've learned the secret of triumphing over trouble, of making burdens into bridges by which God can come to me. For all of these things that we cannot face in ourselves, God will come as we make it a bridge for his grace and his power to come into our lives. And he uses our burdens for bridges for us to get into the lives of other people. What are your burdens today? Probably every one of us has one, or more, or a half a dozen. Have you ever thought about that? Your burden can become a bridge by which God can come alongside of you with his booster of his spirit and minister life to you. And that burden can become a bridge by which you can go into other people's lives and say his grace is sufficient, his strength shows up best in weak people, therefore will I glory in his greatness and his love. He didn't say we were here to have it easy. This world is not my home, but it's my gym. It's where he's training us as he trained Jesus who learned obedience through suffering, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The cross became a bridge. This morning the cross can be a bridge for you as you open your heart and your life to Jesus if you've never done it before. He will come in comfort and compassion to minister, to heal, to change. And you in turn 
can be a bridge to other people's lives. That we may share in the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him, and build bridges out of our burdens. Oh Lord, forgive us when we harp and whine about all the things that happen to us. Help us not to waste time asking the whys, but finding the meaning to see it as a preparation for ministry, to see that everything isn't your will, but we can find your will in everything. Thank you that your grace is sufficient, that those who have gone before us yell back to us through your word and through the Christian testimonies that your grace is sufficient that we can do and face all things through you who strengthens us. Each person here know that this day as they leave this house. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you ready to take your burden and make it a bridge? This message is not only timeless, it is universal. I hope you will take it to heart. You will be better for it and the world around you will be a better place. If you do not know this God that my dad continuously refers to, a God that loves you beyond anything imaginable, who can take you through troubles no matter what, who is bigger than anything you can face, I would strongly encourage you, as much as I could encourage anyone, to take a step and at least investigate this Jesus who came to redeem all of us and wants what's best for us. If you are stuck and don't know how to take that first step, you can certainly email me at mark.keepthemainthing at gmail.com. I'd be happy to speak with you. Or may I suggest just talking to a friend? I'm guessing everyone knows somebody who has a relationship with God, who you think is a good Christian, I know they would be thrilled to share with you their thoughts and experiences. Thank you for listening to Keep the Main Thing. We look forward to bringing you more messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. In the meantime, may the peace of God, which is greater than any trouble you can face, help you through those troubles, whatever you are facing. As Paul says, his grace is more than efficient. Thank you. Thank you.